Welcome in to a new episode of the MA Report Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Foy. As always, I am joined by Daniel Galvan. Hopefully everyone had a great Christmas over the past couple of days. I'm sure probably like a lot of people, well, not me, but I'm in the office work. I'm sure a lot of people have this week off from work. So hopefully you're having a, a good uh, week off from work. Uh, Daniel, how was your Christmas, man? Jason, my Christmas was good. Rested on the radio. Did I lose? Don't worry about it. But there's one thing I want for freaking Christmas. I don't know if this impacts you. I don't know if it impacts our listeners, but I am so sick and tired of it. I'm talking about X, formerly known as Twitter. Every time on my For You page, Jason, all I see is one person after another making an MMA thread. It's like top 25 knockouts of 2023. It's a thread. And then it's like uh, 47 times Kobe Covington said something offensive. It's a threat. The only other thing I see is maybe Nina drama uh, with some high-level journalism. But all I ever see is MMA threads. I don't know who's doing it. I don't know why the algorithm tells me that's what I want to see. And the worst part is I click on them. So then the algorithm feeds itself even more. Do you see these threads all the time or is it just my algorithm? No, I see them as well. I, I never click on them, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've seen it, yeah. There, there, literally, there was one I saw... Either yesterday, maybe the day before, it was the biggest what ifs in MMA history. I go, I guess they're listening to the podcast. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and they probably do. And they probably may have a thread of like the top 27 moments of MMA history. Like, like, bro, I'm just on my for you page. Prime, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, most impressive finishes in his career. A thread with real footage. Let me scroll down. Uh yeah. So it's a bunch of stuff like that. It's a bunch of bunch of stuff like that. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen it as well. I will tell you. So I'm over at my grandmother's house on Christmas Day. There with the family and opening up presents. And I'm opening up a present for my brother. And as I opened it up, I just started laughing. I put this on my Instagram so people can see it. He got me a Christmas ornament with the FSU logo says hashtag robbed. Oh my gosh, that is absolutely perfect. And thank God you do not have to actually see the reality of Florida State going up against Alabama, Jason. <sighs> look, of Florida look, State going up against Texas. Look, I'm rocking I'm rocking the Knowles hoodie. I'll be watching tomorrow afternoon against Georgia. I know I'm about to see an ass whipping. And it ain't gonna be FSU delivering it. I I look, as fans, we gotta be honest about our teams. I know when I walk into whether I'm watching it on my living room or I walk into, you know, favorite uh, establishment, I know what I'm watching tomorrow afternoon. I'm watching FSU get absolutely annihilated. Wow. I think um, believe you should believe in miracles. But more importantly than not, Jason, you should believe in teams not caring about bowl games. And that may be your hope is the Georgia Bulldogs do not care about a game that isn't a college football playoff. And maybe, just maybe, there'll be a little bit of magic for the Seminoles. That is I, I, the one thing you can't overestimate apathy. I, I look, I'm with you. I'm I'm gonna sit there. I'm gonna have a couple Stellas, and I will say this: you know, even though it would be kind of weird to watch the Orange Bowl in the afternoon because the Orange Bowl has always been a night game, 
uh, I'm actually liking the fact that it's an afternoon game and I can get home and I can you know get good good amount of sleep. It's uh, got to be uh, at at Ray J. It's about uh, eight thirty on uh, on Sunday morning to get ready for Bucks and Saints and. Uh, and then, uh, Saturday, then I gotta get up Saturday morning too because I'm producing the ReliQuest Bowl radio broadcast. So it's it's a busy couple of days for me. But uh, it, primarily, this episode is going to be about a year in review. Before we get into our year in review, did you happen to see the quotes from Paige Van Zant about a uh, a incident she had with Usada a couple years ago? No, I saw the headline about her possibly doing PFL, but I did not see those quotes. What happened? Here's the quote, and the quote's come from MMA Mania. This is from her YouTube channel. She says, quote, I was about to fight Alex Chambers in Las Vegas, Nevada, and this was right when USADA got implemented in the UFC. So my drug testers show up right after the weigh-ins, so I'm in my hotel room rehydrating. Every single time I would weigh in, I would try to rehydrate instantly sick. So part of USADA is once they see you, you cannot leave their site because, you know, it's a whole anti-doping. Maybe you're going to go do something to mass drugs or take something. I don't even know. So I have my drug tester in the bathroom with me for two hours as I was essing my brains out. That's that's awful. Okay. As I uh, first off, who who wants to be sitting in the bathroom where you're not feeling good? You're sitting on the toilet and someone's just staring at you like that is awkward. But then, okay, here here's the other part of this. Can she get that tester on her YouTube channel to talk about this incident? Yeah, because the tester isn't into it either. The tester isn't enjoying the experience. But that would be funny to hear their perspective because we've heard the fighter perspective of USADA's outrageous overreach maybe is the best term to describe it, and maybe that'll be the biggest change between USADA and the testing agency that I have already forgotten. I think if I just say like pro sports test, I'll probably be pretty close because it's something similar to that. But uh, it would be good to hear that perspective because, yeah, I don't even want my girlfriend to be in the restroom as I'm pooping. You know, maybe for a little bit, maybe a little bit. But after a while, I'll get old and smelly and I'll feel self-conscious. You know, my, my poop don't smell good. Uh, I need some poop parade. But uh, that is um, it's a nice lead in to 2023 because we have so many different categories. One of them is story of the year. And I think clearly USADA is going to be in the running for that topic. And that's a nice way to do that. And also a little bit of PFL, a P- PVZ maybe in the PFL. I think that would be a, a nice addition to the PFL. She would immediately become one of their more interesting fighters. And I kind of think she needs – okay, she doesn't need mixed martial arts. She's got it made with her – I don't know if it's OnlyFans or wherever she's on. I know she has like one of those services – She's probably making so much money. So she doesn't need mixed martial arts. But in terms of name value in the MA community, she probably needs a platform like the PFL to stay relevant for people to care about her and watch her compete. Because I do miss watching Paige Van Zant fight. I haven't followed her bare knuckle boxing career. So it will be good for her to go to the PFL. And she would fit right in for those non-tournament super fights. Yeah, I I will say this. I do want our first category to be you know biggest story of the year, but okay. just because of, of talking about anti-doping, yesterday the UFC did announce the anti-doping policy that they are going to implement uh, starting here on um, on Monday. And you know, one of the things, and when you go on X, it's like as the MMA media 
can we just sit back and see how this thing develops before we instantly just start shitting on this program before it even starts? Yeah, I mean, what's kind of the criticism you've been seeing, Jason? Oh, it's just a fa- it's it's pretty much to me it's this fact of like, oh, you know, this is this is not a true anti-doping. But like, come on, like you really think the UFC is going to implement a policy that is not? You know, I mean, first off, they're using the Smyrta Lab in Salt Lake City. This is where USADA goes. This is where WADA goes. This is where everyone goes. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and Aaron Bronstetter put out um, what the announcement was, and one thing I, I got kind of, I laughed about. It says, uh, new user-friendly digital whereabouts platform. UFC athletes will have access to the new UFC whereabouts platform to record their expected locations so they can easily be contacted for testing. The new platform is more user-friendly than the previous system and allows an athlete to quickly and easily update their whereabouts filing as their location changes due to circumstances over time. Oh, UFC is throwing some shade right there at USADA. They are. They absolutely are. And they're, like, easy to use. Like, yeah, no-brainer. Like, absolutely. It is kind of – it's a shame. Like, that's a bit of an annoying thing as a fighter that you have to constantly update your digital whereabouts to your employer. Like, imagine if you had to do that or if I had to do that, I'd be like, going to Buffalo Wild Wings again. Don't judge me. But I guess that's the thing you have to give up to get tested when it's the random drug testing. But you you know people are going to not update it all the time. I mean, MMA fighters, I mean, they, they're focused on training. They're focused on their lives. And not every single fighter is going to do on it. You know, not everyone is as well-read as Bo Nickel is on, you know, president's quotes at press conferences about revolutionary wars. But uh, some people, you know, may uh, – yeah, by the way, new fighters – if you're going to go on the Joe Rogan podcast, don't try and, like, say something stupid, you know? Okay. Bo, Bo Nickel out here. I didn't watch it, but is that the thing I saw where Jamie fact-checked both of them? Yeah. Well, shout out to Jamie and Joe Rogan for including that on the podcast. It, it's They could have very easily taken it out, but they included it where Joe Rogan did his Joe Rogan thing where – he was just like, ah, Joe, can you believe Biden had this quote about the Revolutionary War and there weren't any airports? And he was like, yeah, he's sleepy Joe. He's lost it. Yada, yada, all the, the basic things that people say. And then Jamie, two minutes later, is like, well, here's the video clip. And it was Joe Biden like making fun of Donald Trump, um, quoting something that Donald Trump said, and then they played the Donald Trump video. So – I, I poke fun at Bo Nickel. I poke fun at Joe Rogan. It's not the worst thing in the world. I, 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 I give respect to including that in the podcast. But the one thing I will say is, like, if you're Bo Nickel, you're this new UFC fighter with an appearance like that. And it was a good podcast. I listened to the whole thing, and I really enjoyed it, especially talking about his training. But you go on a podcast like that. And you immediately alienate half of your audience, or maybe maybe less. You know, although Kobe Covington will tell you and Fox News that the MA audience apparently is ninety five percent liberal, based on the fact that he got screwed over because of the Donald Trump thing, which is the most stupid thing ever. It could have been included on stupidest story of the year. That, that, that no, that that has to be the dumbest story of the year. It has to be. Yeah, I I don't have it, but that's a good one. That's a good one that I didn't think about right now. I got a couple good ones. That's 
one of those things. And we talked about that what last week, week four. Like, does he really believe that? Like, does he really believe that three judges say you didn't win the fight because you support President Donald Trump? Like, like and and dude, get, like get the F out of here with that, that crap, man. Come on, come on, Fox News. Like, why are you enabling that? I mean, I know Fox News is not the greatest track record. The host was Jesse Waters, and, and I will never forget who Jesse Waters is because one time, one time I was uh, I was in college, I was in the TV program, and they had us come over, talk to some high schoolers about television. And uh, one kid, I was like, do you have any questions? And no one ever has questions, but one kid did. He raised his hand. He's like, oh, you look like Jesse Waters. I was like, who's that? He's always like, oh, on Fox News. I'm like, oh, that's the worst comparison. And then I started watching this dude. I'm like, I don't like this dude. And uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait to just like, I mean, that's like the ultimate fake news of all time. We all saw the fight. It's like, uh, what's a big blowout? The Broncos and the, uh, who did the Broncos beat where there was a blowout? Or no, no, they, no, no, they got blown out by the Dolphins when the Dolphins put yeah. 70 on them. Okay, it was like that game. It was like that game yeah. and saying, oh yeah, it was a close one. We got screwed over. Like that's that's the same thing that happened. I mean, Kobe Covington went to the batter's box the first four rounds and he didn't swing at a pitch. You don't win a ball game like that unless you hit a grand slam and that means finishing your opponent. But uh, yeah. 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 I mean, talk, so some of the ca- the categories were, and, and by the way, kudos to Daniel. He's the one who came up with all these categories. So we got fight, fight of the year, fighter of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, broadcaster of the year, breakout fighter of the year, craziest moment of the year, dumbest story of the year. These things happen in MMA. MMA story of the year, best show of the year, and MMA fire who retired this year, and we will miss the most. And I, I wanted to start off with MMA story of the year. I have three candidates for this one. Go for it. You mentioned two of them already. UFC ex- exits USADA truck testing program to start their own program. Mm-hmm. PFL acquires Bellator. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, which may be a bigger story than both of those combined, is Francis Ngannou exiting the UFC, signing with the PFL, getting a boxing match against Tyson Fury, and arguably winning that fight. I think those are the three biggest stories. Those are in their own category, and we can kind of pick one. I think those are three heavyweights. The other heavyweight story that I don't think is a part of the top three, but it's right there is Endeavor acquiring the WWE. It relates to the UFC, and there's gonna it's just a big deal when a parent company does that. I think those are really big ones. I'm going to take a step back before we get back into the big ones. I think you also got to look at the individual stories of the year, the fighter stories. Okay. They don't have as far-reaching impact that are worth mentioning. I think Alex Pereira becoming a, a, two, a champion in a different weight class was a big-time story. I think Sean Strickland and Sean O'Malley elevating themselves to becoming champions was a major story. And Jamal Hill, it's a story you forget about, but in the beginning of the year, him winning that light heavyweight championship over Glover was a huge story. But um, yes, those are the three big ones, Jason. And when you look at those three big stories, Francis, USADA, Bellator, acquiring PFL, I know you're kind of leaning towards Nganu. Is that what you would say is the biggest story of the year or, or the story we'll be talking about for 2023? Uh, I feel like the PFL acquiring Bellator may be the bigger subject just because of where do we see Francis Ngannou? When do we see Francis Ngannou actually in a PFL cage? 
with Deontay Wilder losing last weekend, I mean, if he would have won that fight, I think that there that was a very remarkable fight, whether you want to talk about it being in, in a boxing ring or in, in an MMA cage, because Deontay Wilder has talked about coming over to, to MMA as well. But I think I probably look at the PFL acquiring Bellator just because of, you know, look, I, I think it's not great for fighters in the sport that we really only have two major promoters for you to go to. So, like, you know, if you're in a situation where, you know, say you've pissed off the UFC and you've pissed off Bellator, the odds are you're not going to get in, into those organizations and you're screwed as a fighter, you know, and hopefully maybe we get a third one. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that the prime example to me is, and I know this is a guy that has been on social media hoping, you know, that, you know, the UFC would bring him back, PFL would bring him back, Bellator would bring him back. I knew the Bellator one was about a 5% chance to happening. Will Brooks. I think he's a prime example of a guy that I, I just don't know if these organizations will bring him back in. I, for him to make money, he has to look internationally mm-hmm. because in America, there really isn't anything other than bare knuckle. And yeah, you look at his resume. Will Brooks has won six fights in a row, went over Luis Pena, went over Steven Seiler. Those are the marquee ones. And that's a good, that's a good real life example. Like he would have to look at KSW. He would have to look at Ryzen Fighting Championship. He would have to look at one of those promotions, maybe game bread MMA, but that's bare knuckle MMA. That's that's a hell of a point. And in in Usada is another one where it's like the future will dictate how big of a story this was. If there are some major hiccups with the new drug testing policy, you can point out Usada being a big story. But for yeah. the time being, I, I think it's the Francis story is the one that's like the most immediate. The, it kind of encapsulates the whole year. He leaves the promotion. He has the big fight. He performs amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's the PFL, Aquarian, Bellator that could be the biggest story with the benefit of hindsight, depending on what happens in the future. And my last point on kind of what you were saying is that when I was looking at fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, all UFC, all UFC. There's only uh, one Bellator fight that I'm going to mention, and it's going to be talking about craziest moment of the year. I, I saw yeah, ESPN had an article. Where it was their year end awards. And I, I liked what they did was they, they had fight, fighter of the year, and then they had non-UFC fighter of the year, and they, they picked Patchy Mix. And I, and I think that's a very excellent uh, person to, you know, give that award to. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, as I, I look at my list, yeah, it's all UFC. Yeah, it, and it's just it's, – it's, it hasn't always been like that. There would have been years where Strike Force would have been involved yeah. in our list, where WEC would have been in our list. Hell, there was a year where Bellator would have been involved in our list. But 2023 was not that year. This no. upcoming year, uh, I'll make it a real effort to try and and, and cover non UFC things. I mean, maybe maybe I'll I'll watch some Ryzen this this weekend. Uh, they got the big New Year's Eve show with Kyoji Horiguchi yeah. on that card, Juan Archuleta. But I'll, I'll make a concerted effort, and hopefully PFL and Bellator do put on cards that matter that we think about when we reflect back on on 2024. Yeah, the thing honestly. is, they have the fighters, Johnny Eblen. Might be the best middleweight in the world. Yeah. If he had the, if he had the fights in 2023 to show it, he may have been in the Sean Strickland spot when we're talking about fighter of the year. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it's I, I, another point I want to make on USADA is what I'm interested to see is do do we see the amount of drug testing? Like, for, first off, I think it's kind of crazy in a way. Paul Costa was tested 135 times in 2023. That's absurd, dude. John Jones, That's really absurd, which is understandable, was tested 111 times. That's so crazy, bro, to really think about. There's only 365 days in a year. Exactly. Every other day you're getting tested. Or maybe it's multiple times in a day. I don't know, but that's absurd. Yeah, you're literally talking. You're getting drug tested 30, 30, 40% of the you know days of the year. It's absolutely crazy. So to me, that is a situation to, to play into. As we talk about fighter of the year. Okay. I don't think it's crazy to say the fighter of the year and the breakout fighter of the year are the same person. Let me see. I agree with you. And because of that, I kind of didn't include champion level fighters in my breakout fighter of the year. But, but if I didn't make that caveat, Jason, you're spot on. Do we have the same fighter of the year? I don't think so. But who's your fighter of the year? Well, I did not choose the same person. But if I was going to choose the same person for both those categories, it's Sean Strickland. Did you pick him for breakout fighter of the year? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we can couple these together. So, I mean, talk to me about Sean Strickland. Talk to me about the year he had. Why did you consider him for fighter of the year? Okay. If we would have been doing this 364 days ago, and I said – Sean Strickland will be the UFC middleweight champion at the end of 2023. You have said you are goddamn crazy. Mm-hmm. There is Absolutely. nothing you would have like we at that point, you had just seen him get knocked out by Alex Bahia. Like you have been sitting there going, Jason, I, man, you've been smoking a little bit too much this morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing was, it wasn't a flash knockout. Sean Strickland to me had the most impressive performance of the year. It was a clear-cut beating of Izzy on the feet. That singular fight was the most impressive fight we've seen all year from anybody. I mean, maybe maybe Islam beating uh, Volk in the second time was yeah. more dominant, but absolutely. I actually ranked my fighters. I had my top five because, to me, the top five were close. There were three names where it was like, hey, don't forget about these guys. One was Jamal Hill. He only had one fight, so can't put him there, but that was a great moment to start the year. The other one was Alex Pereira, where he started off the year with a loss, so he's not included, but that was a big-time win to close out the year. Two non-champions, Justin Gaethje wins over Poye, the head kick knockout that we won't forget and maybe included in knockout of the year in the fight of the year contender against uh, Rafael Fazeev. And then Jailton Almeida, three big wins at heavyweight over Abdurahimov, Jair Rosenstrike, and uh, Derek Lewis. So that leaves five fighters. I mean, let me ask you, who was your fighter of the year? Islam. Why is that? I mean, obviously the tremendous matchup at the beginning of the year uh, against Volk. And then of course the re I mean, the rematch against Volk. I mean, you couldn't go out there and have a better performance. I wholeheartedly agree with you. He is also my fighter of the year. Both fights were interesting. The first fight was a fight of the year contender. Second fight was dominant. 
Volks recognizes one of the top pound for pound fighters on the planet. That's why Islam's number one. Number two is not Sean Strickland. I got Strickland at three. The reason why is Strickland's other wins over Abus and Imovov aren't super impressive compared to my number two, which is Alexandre Pantoja. He had a fight of the year against Brandon Moreno and Mm -hmm. a pretty convincing win over Brandon Royval. And uh, my four and five, four is Leon Edwards. Usman and Covington wins. The fights weren't super great, especially the second one with Covington. I mean, that's uh, I don't take melatonin. I just put on that fight. And number five, a fighter that could also be included for breakout of the year, but because she had a draw, she didn't get higher, was Alexa Grasso, who had that big win over Shevchenko. So that's my top five. Would you switch uh, Pantoja and Strickland, I'm assuming? Yeah. Or yeah. not? I, I just think it's because of how impre- – you know. I mean, you just look what he did. I mean, and going in and doing what he did is he and, and just how great of a performance it was. I will tell you, my five of the year, I, I really didn't think too hard about this. I, I think it's, it's Islam and Volkanovsky won. My runner-up, okay. I went with the flyweight fight. I went with the flyweight fight. The, the difference in those two, the difference in those two, in my opinion, and they're both great fights, is – Moreno and Pantoja was more back and forth starting in round two versus with Islam Volk. It was more towards the latter part of the fight. It got more close. So again, we're talking about two bangers, two absolute bangers. And uh, I think Islam and Volk is kind of recognized as the fight of the year for most people. I look at most publications and that's what gets the award. It's justified personally. Pantoja in Moreno is my pick. I'm interested where you go knockout of the year. But before I go knockout of the year, which I'll tell you right now, let me just list off the honorable mentions real quick for fight of the year. Vergara versus uh, Daniel Lacerda at the fight night. It's a great one. We got to give some props to like the fights that are get overshadowed. That's the one that got overshadowed. The other ones, Gaethje Fazeev, Teixeira Hill, Izzy Pereira, Hooker, Jalen Turner. Knockout of the year. I don't think we have the same knockout of the year. Do you think we have the same knockout of the year? Um, I think a lot of people would say Izzy's knockout. Nope, that is mine. not that is not who I picked. Okay, what'd you pick? Josh Emmett. Oh, that's a good one. Honorable I mean, mention for I me. Mean, I mean, bro, I mean, that that's KTFO. Good, good one. I mean, that's not even recency bias. That was the most brutal knockout of the year. Good one, bro. I agree. It was an honorable mention. The I, I, other two, okay. What are you are you gonna say, Sabadusi? No, which I didn't even think about. But that's some PFL love. That was a hell of a knockout too. Um. So my other honorable mentions was Gaethje over Poirier, and then Barbosa's knockout over Billy Q. My knockout of the year, flying knee, Ismail Bonfin versus Terrence McKinney, UFC two eighty three. If you get a flying knee knockout, I will award you the knockout of the year unless there's a spinning back kick. If we get a spinning back kick, that one wins. But uh, I really tried with my knockout and my submission of the year to really look for the knockout and submissions that were unique and different, told a story, and weren't your most like memorable knockouts. Emmett is honestly – the more I think about it, the more I kind of want to give it to him because that was just the most brutal thing I've ever seen. But uh, I'm going Ismail Bonfin, flying knee knockout over Terrence McKinney. I don't think I'll ever forget hearing that sound of that knockout. 
No, that was one of those things where I immediately showed my coworkers. I was on the street. I saw a guy just, he was on his phone. I'm like, dude, you got to watch this. He's like, get away from me. Dude, I saw, I saw it on TikTok first. That's where I, I first saw the knockout. Yeah. Bryce Mitchell, very memorable 2023 from him, both getting knocked out and spreading the good word in his previous fight. And Dominic Cruz making like making some jokes. That was uh, that was good. Uh, submission of the year to me. Um, it's I, I went with Alexa Grasso. Honorable mention. Okay, you know me. I'm a hipster. Realistically, Alexa Grasso deserves the award. That's the most. When I say submission of the year in 2023, and me and you are both old in the same retirement home. Watching Florida State and Texas A&M still trying to win a national championship. A&M is currently paying a guy $4 billion per year, and he's still disappointing us. Um, we'll, we'll think of Alexa Grasso. But for the time being, Jason, honorable mention of Diego Lopez with his uh, triangle armbar to Gavin Tucker. But my submission of the year is Davey Grant, inverted triangle over Raphael Asunso. Two reasons why I like this submission. Number one. Unique inverted triangle. Number two, the story. Rafael Asuncel won the first two rounds. Grant needed the finish. He got it in round three. So that's why I'm going to give Grant submission of the year. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, uh, you know, to me, it's just, it's obviously with Tameef Grosso, it's about kind of that moment and, and knowing and seeing that video footage of how they were training for that particular sequence to basically take, take advantage of that. Um, I mean, look, like, you talk about craziest moments of the year. That's where I start going into biggest upsets, you know, yep. and, and we did have some notable upsets uh, this year. I mean, obviously, Sean Strickland is an upset. Alexa Grosso is another upset. And I think that we do tend to look at title fights. We have those big type of upsets. But there was there was some other notable upsets this year. Uh, Joey Davis in Bellator was a 16-1 to <laughs> betting favorite and lost. I mean... So, because I found this article, biggest upsets this year. So, Jeff Creighton, a plus 850 betting underdog at Bellator 293, getting the win against Joey Davis. Number two, Alexa Grosso, plus 575 against Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, Elvis Brenner, plus 475, uh, getting the win there. Um, uh, plus 470 as well. Sean Strickland, plus 470. Nicholas Dalby, plus 455. Cody Brundage plus four fifty, uh, Henry Krause plus four hundred. So those are some of your, your biggest upsets this year. Yeah, I here's another one. I was going to try and get you with the Joey Davis one, but you know your Bellator. Here's another one: Patricio Pitbull getting upset in Ryzen against Chihiro Suzuki. Great one, yeah. Pitbull, and that was a crazy moment. My craziest moment is going to be outside the MMA cage. I'm going to give my flowers to Francis with this category. Francis fighting Tyson Fury competitively mm -hmm. is what I consider to be the craziest moment in the MMA world. Even though it was in a boxing match, I think Francis yeah. you know, is very much attached to mixed martial arts. So that's my uh, craziest moment of the year. Dumbest story of the year. I'm going, I'm going to Colby Covington. Okay. I like it. I mean, I mean, like... Here are my three nominees. How, how do you, like, seriously, how do you believe you lost a fight because of who you support politically? He he <laughs> he, he can't he can't possibly believe that. But but we we, we, we would, uh, would you be shocked? Would you be shocked? Of course, this I don't is the same. He, this of course, this is the same guy gets caught on a live mic saying he's a character, and he's like, "No, I didn't say that." Like, bro, there was a live mic on you. <laughs> yeah, he, he lives in his own reality, bro.
Here's here's my three nominees. I have in a winner, and I'm gonna let you go off on the winner. Okay. Dumbest story. One, the Dylan Dennis discourse regarding <laughs> the fight with Logan Paul. That was so stupid. Okay. Number two, runner up, the Zuckerberg Elon Musk BS. Oh god. Very annoying. Number one, this is you to go off king. Dumbest story of the year. Colorado Athletic Commission. All right, go off king. Why were they stupid this year? That's my that's my pick. Which part? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, I mean That's the real dumbest story of the year when you really look at it. When you look at what they were trying to get approved. We're a sport that needs to be unified. And we have people who feel they're the smartest per- person in the room. And they have people who show them support on social media. And it's just, it's one of these things where if the UFC was trying to dictate what the rules of a fight were, people would lose their goddamn mind. So why do they not lose their mind when one championship does it? And the, and the thing that I love about these people who support Tony Cummings and what he did for one championship, I go, so hold on. Hawaii told one championship, you want to do a fight in the United States? It's under the unified rules of MMA. They commission shopped. It's just, it's the bias in this sport. And yeah, well, I mean, I think the reality is I don't think we probably have to worry about one championship much longer. I'm just, it's my personal opinion. But yeah, it's, I, I, and then some, some, of some, the, of the, some of the stuff you hear on this regulatory side of the sport, like, you know, I mean, look, it's, it, like it goes to like the power slap thing. I'm not a power slap guy. But I also realize there's an audience out there for it. And I just, I feel like there are people, I understand where you could have questions marks about um, long-term health. Well, let me use what what you like to say on the show. It's fighting. It ain't good for your health. (laughs) It don't matter if you got gloves on or what. No gloves on. Fighting is not good for your long-term health. I, I just like, but it's this thing where I just go, People just don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is an audience that loves this shit. There is yeah. an there are people out there that think we're barbaric for loving mixed martial arts. Yes, Powers Lap has turned a lot of us into John McCain in the nineties. It has, it absolutely has, and Powers Lap, the whole discourse. Either side of it could be included in the dumbest story of the year. Do you think we have the same story for these things happen in MMA? What is yours? I don't think we do. This is this honestly could have been the story of the year. And it happened in 2022, but we didn't hear about it until 2023. And it's kind of, you can kind of, it's power slaps a good transition. Dana White slapped his wife. It was on tape. And nothing happened. That's the most these things happen in MMA of all time. The fact that somebody could get away with that. No repercussions. His comments afterward were horrendous. And at the end of the year, we've all forgotten. That is the ultimate. And it's not even like a funny thing at all, obviously. Usually in these things happen in MMA, it's funny. But this is real life. This is sad. And it's emblematic of... The downside of this sport, sometimes we are in our own little 
world where people aren't treated like actual like officials. And the fact that Dana White got away with this without any significant punishment is absurd. And I think that's why Vince McMahon sold to Endeavor. I think he saw that. And I think he saw that as a way to potentially keep his company and, and maintain control. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I absolutely do. You know, I mean, I like, like when I talk about like these things that may happen, like to me, what the thing that sticks out to me the most is the press conference with Jeff Nowitzki, Hunter Campbell, where they're talking about <laughs> the exit from USADA and they're talking about what Conor McGregor has gone through. Like, it's one of those things that it's going to be interesting. Does the full story ever come out? Does Connor ever do an interview where he really talks about everything that he had to go through? You know, yeah. and I think there there is something to this equation of he had a catastrophic injury, and I'm sure he was probably prescribed things that would have caused him to fail a drug test. But if he didn't take those things, would he have recovered? Would he have looked like Mr. Ireland? Mm-hmm. Don't think so. But uh, I, I think that's a great one. That's a great one. It shows you kind of how MMA guys, UFC guys can use the bully pulpit to shift the narrative. And they absolutely did. I mean, a day later, USADA was getting their ass beat and amongst the uh, the public perception. The UFC controlled that narrative cycle. Right. They dominated it, and they completely flipped the switch. And USADA obviously didn't have a good foundation to stand on. But when Hunter Campbell talks, you know, you know things went down. Look, the one thing the UFC does an extremely good job is controlling the narrative. And let's just be honest about it. You mentioned the Dana White story. Dana White controlled the narrative. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you can you can talk about the situation, but the the end of it is one thing that Dana does an incredible job with is no matter what is happening with the UFC or power slap or whatever it may be, he knows how to control the narrative. I mean, he knows how to work the media. And I, I think as we go into 2024, we're, we're seeing a, a very much of a change in mixed martial arts media. I mean, it's we're getting to the point of I think your your traditional ways of how you got news in MMA is changing, and you're seeing you know certain. And, and I'm not hating on any of these reporters; like they're taking advantage of the situation that's right in front of them. But we're we're in influencer media. Let's let's not kid ourselves. Like <laughs> that is where media coverage in, in, as we had in 2024 is at. Yeah, and I, I poke fun and I make some jokes at Nina Drama, but I can't blame her for doing what she's doing. She's making interesting content for people. She's getting, she is, you know, asking fighters interesting questions. She's showing a different side of fighters and she's making good content and she's doing what's best for her. And that's good for her. I, I bet she's doing well and I hope she continues to do well. The The thing is, the the darker story is, does she replace the actual journalist and you know luke thomas had a great twitter thread and the crux of his twitter thread is basically like if you're a journalist you put yourself out there you report some truth that the ufc doesn't like and they're going to make a big fuss about it will your employer protect you and by and large the answer is probably not or they'll look for when it's the right time to let you go and and so that's the real big story i don't have any hate in fact i i 
have respect for some of these influencers that are doing their content, but hopefully we don't get into a world where they're the only I mean, valve we get info from. To me, I I really noticed a change three to four months ago with the MMA media. And, and look, and, you know, I sit here, I do this podcast once a week. I mean, outside of that, I, I don't really do too much. I do an interview here and there. I'm, I know I've got, I've got an interview scheduled for next week. And, but to me, I really notice watching press conferences. To me, the questions really turned into, it wasn't about asking a question from a, a quote unquote journalism aspect. I felt like a lot of questions were, how can I get a question in and I can put it into a real form to put on Instagram or TikTok? You're right. And the person who's harmed by this more so than anyone is either the consumer or the fighter. As the consumer, you know what I loved growing up watching? Dana White's post-fight press scrums. After the press conference, those are great. You got new information. It was candid. There were some good questions. And that's gone now. Those aren't appointment viewing. So that's who ultimately gets hurt is the consumer gets a sanitized BS thing that's a bunch of empty calories as content. No, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, that, that's what we're going to happen. Next category, MMA fighter retired this year. We will miss the most. I thought this was an easy one, Daniel. Yeah. It's, not, it's obviously Amanda Nunez. Wait, did you not go with Amanda Nunez? No. You didn't go with the best fighter? In the, she actively is still the best female fighter on the planet. And I'm you not, did not go with her. Not Are disagreeing. you kidding me? Okay, who did you go with? I like violence. You know, who did you go, George? Zombie. Zombie? Zombie? Come on. Yeah. I, I, this, okay, this is my thing. Okay, Daniel? If I tell you Korean Zombie is fighting this Saturday night, the following Saturday night, a man Nunez is fighting. You can only watch one. Who are you picking? You're probably right. You're right. You're right. Korean Zombie is the more entertaining fighter. The difference is a zombie has lost a step. So if he's fighting the right, the one dude, although I can't say that. I can't say that because he had some pretty good moments, even though he's getting his butt beat but in his he, last he, performance. He, he's fighting yeah, the top you're of right. division, though. Zom- you're right. You're right. Zombie, Zombie's the answer. Zombie, you know what? I I respect your opinion, and Korean Zombie's a hell of an answer. Yeah. I mean, look, look as great of a fighter, Amanda Nunez is, was, I don't think a lot of people viewed her as appointment television watching. No, I agree with you. The fights themselves weren't super memorable, aside from like the finishes, the highlight real finishes, the big wins, the dominance. That was memorable versus KZ. You're probably going to get a fight of the year. I think those are the two fighters that really left some on the bone. The other one, there's two other fighters that left some on the bone, left in their career. OAM retiring. He still is at the top of his game. And, um, and I can't blame her for retiring, but Angela Lee in, in 1FC, she's obviously very young, but with the tragedy that happened to her sister, Victoria, I can only imagine, and my I, you know my heart is with her, but she is someone where uh, she's still in her prime, 
in her career and she left it. The rest of it is a lot of fighters who are at the end of their prime, right? Fedor, yeah. Glover, Robbie Lawler, Jorge Masvidal, Alistair Overeem, John Salter, Benson Henderson, Shogun, Ray Bork, Daniel Weichel. Yeah. All, all fighters in there. Now, when you talk about best fight car of the year. Easy. Right? It was easy for me. Yeah, it's easy. Was it easy for Do we both yeah. have the same UFC card? We have to. We have to. It's UFC 290 for me. Yeah. I mean, 100%. like, you know, to me, it really starts off with, you know, Robbie Lawler getting that knockout in 38 seconds, retirement matchup, the final fight of the prelims. It's one of those things where this is to me how I know it's a memorable card. I know exactly where I was at. I know exactly where I was sitting. And it was, and one of the things that's also memorable about this was I was at a bar watching this one and it, it was a very much of a, when you have a Mexican fire in a main event, you get a different audience to come out to a bar to watch a UFC fight card. Yeah. That was one of my memories. Obviously the Dan hooker, Jalen Turner fight was unbelievable. Drake is two plus C's going out there and getting his win against Robert Whitaker. Drake is, you might want to learn how to throw some hands if you're actually sitting in the stands because apparently you need it. <laughs> okay, that is these things happen in MMA right there. We forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, Sean and DDP <laughs> Sean going at it. Telling Gilbert's family, can you please move first? <laughs> and then going after. Also, also Sean Strickland uh, using a gun to disarm a guy in his driveway. Also, these things happen in MMA moment. Um, yeah, 290 is the card. They had two fight of the years on the main card. Volk impressive win over Yair. Bo Nichols guaranteed excitement. And uh, the Lawler knockout, as you mentioned, as well as the uh, – what else? Did I, oh, DDP's performance. Yeah, it was UFC 290. And, and runner-up was 287 with Izzy and Alex and, and Rafan and Yanez. But uh, there's a big gap in show quality. It, it is undoubtedly UFC 290. Yeah, I mean, and look, we're still uh, two more weeks away from our first UFC event of 2024. That's going to be one that's headlined by Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. That's, that's a fight I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's an the, Apex card, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's you're just, telling me that. It's, it's just, some of these Apex cards, it's just really, as a consumer, I get why the UFC does it. I get it. it just as a consumer, man, I just like watching events in a, in a live atmosphere. You know, but I, I get, you know, I get it. Apex cards suck. I hate watching shows in front of four fans. It sucks. Yeah. I hate it. But I'll say My this. Favorite. I I can remember the days of we would have a UFC fight card this Saturday night. You know, pre-ESPN, this was always a, a major weekend for the UFC. Yeah, you think it's because like, hey, this is the college football playoff. Like, yeah, that's that's the reason I I've heard is why it's it's an ESPN decision of hey, look, it's it's about the bowl season. I don't mind it. We can take some time to decompress and you know reflect back at <laughs> the year. I'm sure that UFC production staff is a big fan of it. <laughs> I'm sure they got a bunch of daddy sodas in their fridge. Yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoy these breaks. I enjoy when you have, you know, two and, and three weeks of time, you know, and I think what it 
it, it just it lets you sit back and say, hey, man, I, yeah, I can't wait to you know, watch some live fights again. But, uh, you know, ho- hopefully I'll be doing a playoff game that weekend. I, I hope you do, too. I think you're in a good spot. <laughs> Sunday is a, uh, as we like to call it, a hat and T-shirt game. What's that? Oh, we went on, we went on Sunday. We went the NFC South. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Really? You automatically went with the win there? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, hopefully y'all win out. I'll be rooting for y'all. And, you know, Texans need to win out, I think, to, to, to get in the playoffs. If I had to guess, um, we got our ass beat by the uh, the Browns. And it's really sad. But apparently they're going to win the Super Bowl. So there's that. Can you <laughs> imagine if Joe Flacco wins the freaking Super Bowl I'm, again? I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. Like, when it comes to these 14 teams that are going to make the NFL playoffs, I think this is one of the most wide open years we have seen in a long time in the NFL when it comes to the playoffs. No question. There's no dominant team. The best team right now, in my opinion, is either the Ravens or the Browns. I I, I always say this. I don't necessarily think the best team always wins the Super Bowl. I think it's the team who's the hottest and the healthiest. Mm-hmm. Who's the hottest and healthiest team right now? AFC, Dolphins? I think. I, I, AFC, I think. I look at the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, watch, watch that game against Forty Nine or Monday Night. I mean, prior prior to Monday Night, I would I would have sat there and said um, I, I, the Forty Nineers are the favorite. I mean, maybe they needed that. I game. mean, I, I look, I have my red and pewter glasses on over here. You know, I, so um, I, I think us down here in Tampa, we're playing pretty damn good right now. You're talking yourself into some aspirations. I like it. Look, look I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just saying there's only one stadium I've not been to in the NFL. That's Las Vegas. Just saying. Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. I'm just saying. Viva Las Vegas. Well, Jason, I hope that you're able to check out the UFC Apex in February. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you one thing I definitely will not be doing this weekend. I will not go out. I will not go out for amateur night. Oh. <laughs> That's the one time of the year. Well, hey, when, I, when, when I worked in radio promotions, I had to do New Year's Eve parties every year. Amateur night at its best. God damn it. Speaking of amateur night, just uh, I was leaning on my uh, my my thing and a piece of wood just went in my coffee. <laughs> you, might, you might need a new cup of coffee. You might need a new cup of coffee. That was my last coffee. That's all the coffee in the pot, Jason. Oh, my God. Your amateur night just freaking. I got to put this back on here. Hopefully the apartment people don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> You know, they, don't have maintenance, they don't have maintenance people to come fix that stuff for you? They do, but I'm just going to leave it there and forget yeah. about it until I do it again on a podcast. You just don't want to call them and say, hey, um, so idiot over here dropped this thing in my coffee. Can y'all come fix it? Yeah, how did, how did it happen? Well, if you go to uh, an hour into the M Airport podcast, you will see visual evidence of... Uh, <laughs> I think I've actually done this before on the podcast, so I need to stop doing my podcast in this position. I, just, I, I, yeah. I feel like it was like an episode or two ago when you had that <laughs> This is such a good position, though. I can I can see the TV, watch some bowl games, uh, stand up. I like standing up when we record. It's good for my yeah. back. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm very much of a sit-down guy. Uh, I will say this. There is some rumblings out there about this PFL Bellator show being in February. Let's do it. Let's do it. That sounds like a good show. I, I bet the card will be good. I think the interesting part will be what's the price point. Oh, it's going to be a pay-per-view. Oh, okay. I, I think I, I don't – my guess is it's forty nine ninety nine would be my guess. Yeah. Um, the rumblings is it would be in Saudi Arabia. So you're talking about an afternoon card. Which I think that becomes kind of a tough situation. Yeah, it's even tough for the UFC to, to do the Saudi Arabia. I, 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 I mean, look, I get where your PFL you put on pay per view. I get it. I understand it. I just, mm-hmm. but, but I think of like, if you just had that thing on regular ESPN, like I feel like that would be better for your brand long term. But I get I, why you want to put it on pay per view. Obviously, you know. The card's gonna cost you a lot of money in terms of salaries, but I, I just like if I was PFL, I, I would look at it long term and go, man, is this just better for our brand to just have this on ESPN so we can reach the the most amount of people? Yep, I think so. I think it's more about putting your best foot forward to the widest audience possible, so they become fans of your product and know who your fighters are. And I totally agree with you. If they can afford to do it, they should. That to me is your biggest issue with the PFL is having fighters that people know and they're they're moving forward with with that by acquiring the bellator roster by acquiring Paige van zant possibly they have jake paul they have francis got to get him in the cage actually but uh we'll see what happens in 2024 maybe the year end awards will have some pfl representation we shall see I mean, the you know, question is, how many UFC titles changed hands in 2024? How many have, How many changed hands this year? Do you have that offhand? Do you know? Uh, I remember seeing the graphic. I feel like if I Google. Uh, in in oh, What division did uh, change hands? Lightweight? Light, well, lightweight, obviously. In 2023. Lightweight, featherweight. UFC title changed hands 11 times in 2023. Uh, lightweight, welterweight didn't change hands. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, welterweight, lightweight, featherweight. Those are the three Those are the three ones. It didn't change hands. Uh, also, um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. So, it changed hands 11 times. Did, uh, did the uh, women's... Uh, Strawweight championship change hands, or did Wheelie have it the whole time? Mm, did she win at the beginning of the year? She won it in twenty twenty two. Okay, so uh, so those are the uh, the champ the divisions that didn't change hands. So eleven times. I, I think we'll probably be the same around the same number. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I am I am a, totally with you on that one. But of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for the podcast. Hopefully, everyone uh, goes out there has a safe uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna take part in fireworks, be safe. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a person that uh, I, I I'd rather just watch them than uh, <laughs> than uh, partake. Jason, this year I almost lost a finger. I have no intention of actually losing it. Are you are you but are you a New Year's resolutions type guy? Uh, well, having lived on this planet for twenty eight years and never successfully completed one, I uh, I think I've given up New Year's resolutions. 
I, I was I was talking to a friend the other night, and they were saying they were talking about how they do a vision board, and you know about all types of things in your life, and and let's just say there were there were definitely some things that immediately popped in my head of uh, things I would like to accomplish in twenty twenty four. What do you want to accomplish? Oh, it starts with health. I need to lose weight. I mean, that, that's where it, it starts. You can do it, man. Get to the gym. Get to the gym. See, you, you know what the problem is with the gym? January, one, whole month of January. It's yeah. Freaking packed. I know. I know. We'll see. You're right. Damn it. I love the gym. 2020 was, was a, a year of change for me. So I think 2024, I think maybe it's uh maybe I described it as it's a year of growth. 2024 has changed. 2024 is growth. I believe you. Yeah. Same for me, man. You're a change. I became a pro wrestler in 2023. Finally. Now it's growth. You're going to get healthier. I'm going to become more successful in the pro wrestling world. It's, it's all elevation from here on out. Got to manifest that shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 See what happens is I come in here and then the squirt circle. Now, now I got to go get a healthy meal and hit the gym. <laughs> so, let's, let's get to work, man. It's I'll, December I'll, I'll actually it's tell you, one, one of the things that I want to do in 2024 is not eat out as much. Yeah, man. Some some rice and some chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard to eat healthy going out. <laughs> Very hard, very hard. Yeah, unless you do uh, the meal prep places, which I like, the ones where you go in, you pick up a meal, and it's kind of healthy, and you just put it in the microwave. Yeah, I yeah that that is like I'll, I'll tell you this like I, I love the Hello Fresh, um, but you're you're physically cooking all aspects of it. Like I would sit there and say, if like someone del- you know, if I sign up for a delivery service where literally it's like, hey. It's already prepped for you. All you gotta do is either throw it in the in the oven or throw it in the microwave. I think that's the meal prep service that would be much better for me because look, I know myself. I my my talents are limited in the kitchen. I know what I can do well. And you know, like tonight, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm making some tacos tonight. Once I get out of the office and and, and I get home tonight, yeah, I'm making me some tacos. For hell yeah. Taco Taco Friday. Dude, my brother the other day goes, do you eat anything besides chicken wings? I go, why you hating? <laughs> a, a hat tip. Hat tip. I was not. I was made aware of this the other day, and I went and tried it on Tuesday night. I had never, I was, never had Outback Steakhouse wings. Never had them. Mm-hmm. My buddy Chris goes, dude, I had them. They're unbelievable. We go there Tuesday night. Had them. Fucking delicious. I'm just saying, um, if you got a, if you got an Outback near you, it's on like the appetizers. I forget, I forget the name that they're called. They are goddamn delicious. I'm jealous. I'm absolutely jealous. I don't have no Outback. J- Jason, I'm trying to eat healthy, and you got me thinking about chicken wings. What are, what are you doing to me, bro? Look, look. look I, I it's it's funny after the game Sunday. You know, me, me and the crew, we go out, you know, celebrate the dub. And uh, the place we go to, I was like, I'm going to get a pizza. Get a pizza. Get a pizza. But their wings are so damn good. I said, yeah, get one of our wings. Oh, my gosh. You can't. You can't. It's like uh, it's, you just can't stop you. Well, I will say the uh, the um, very famous Texas fast food restaurant, Whataburger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Be, 
bringing out some chicken wings, so I'm excited to try that in January. Interesting. Yeah, we have a. I'm not sure. If, I know at one time we had a couple of those uh, here in the area. Yeah, I love it. I love Whataburger. <laughs> Every time I wrestle out of town, I always pick up Whataburger on the way home. Interesting. Are you are you are you a creature of habit like me? Oh yeah. We are, we are OCD habit people. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Creature habit. Anyone who knows me knows me. I'm a creature of habit. And creature habit over here, very good chance. As we're here on a Friday, a little after 1 o'clock Eastern time, tonight I, I will be at the favorite spot flinging them darts. That's I believe I it. Yeah. That's what I do. I believe that. I, I believe I know exactly where I'll be able to find you if I flew to Tampa. I'm not hard to find. I, I tell people this no. all the time. Like, if you want to find me, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> it, it's it's not hard. Like, I'm yeah. not hiding where I'm at. You wouldn't know where I'm at. Like, you don't need my location services. You know exactly where I'm at if you truly want to see me. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard for the UFC to drug test you. Wouldn't be hard. <laughs> okay, okay. Now that makes me think. Has USADA ever gone to a bar to, to drug test a fighter? Absolutely. These are the questions that we need answered, and we oh, need oh. a USADA drug tester. Okay, I got one better. We know a a job occupation for some fighters is bar, nightclub, strip club security. As you saw, has a USADA tester rolled up like you know John Smith? He he's a uh, you know, he, he's the uh, head security guy at XYZ Strip Club, and he just goes up so he can go to the strip club for free? I, I'm sure that's a possibility. I'm sure it's like, ah, oh, got to test him again at 1130. Oh, shucks. Come on, come on, Nina. Get that you saw a drug tester. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe they just roll up on like a five-year-old birthday party, and it's like, all right, well, I know it's Timmy's birthday, but. John, Gar- oh, your, I, I guarantee I, I would be shocked that that's not happened. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, they're testing Paulo Costa 100 some times. So I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. I, I would say this. I would love, love to have a USADA drug tester on the show. I know. We could, we could sit here for three hours and talk to that person. Like, first off, how did you get involved in this? What went wrong? Like, what made you go? I want to take urine and blood from athletes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you want to talk about awkward jobs to have. If you're a single person. And you are a USADA drug testing person. You go out on a Friday night. You're hanging at the bar. You start talking to a lady. And she goes, what do you do? I am a, uh, I'm a tester. I test things out. <laughs> like, what do you say? I'm a chemist? Yeah, I work in chemistry. I work in biology. All right, so. Could you imagine if that person was truly honest? Yeah, you know, so I, I work in anti-doping, and you know, I go out and I drug test athletes. I watch them pee. I take blood <laughs> out of their arm. Yeah, it was a really fun day at work. So like that has today. to be the most awkward job in the world. Has to be. Yeah, I think so. Or 
professional cuddler. If you're a professional cuddler, I think that's a weird one to to to. to that's to, a job. To, uh, yeah, professional cuddling. Let me Google professional cuddler. Wow. Uh, see if there's one locally for you. How how much does yeah. that pay? There's cuddlecomfort.com, cuddle list. Uh, yeah, you can become a professional cuddler. I, I feel like it doesn't pay much. That's but, insane. Uh, That's insane. Yeah, get a cuddle buddy today. We'll find you a cuddle buddy so you can start a friendship based on cuddling without any expectations of starting more. So I was like, we're not prostitutes. Start cuddling. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so if you ever want to be a cuddle buddy for some <clears throat> supplemental income, uh, uh, here's some uh, Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I just like this is Anna in Wisconsin. I've had a couple of success stories from this site. Both of my snuggle buddies were awesome and lasted for months. That's just weird, bro. That's weird. This podcast will take you to some weird places. <laughs> how, how weird will we get? How weird will we get in 2024? The Lord only knows. Don't do not tempt the MMA gods. We know what happens when you tempt the MMA gods. Something really bad happens, and which means we've yeah. just tempted them. And by the time I get this thing edited, some crazy story is going to drop in MMA. That's just the way it goes. Maybe, maybe in twenty twenty four we'll have a resolution on James Krause. Yeah, we didn't really have an update the whole year. So other than um, that, to me, that, that, I think that tells you where that story's at. I think that tells you where where it's at. Yeah. That's you just use your Dana White line. They're going to fucking federal prison. Yeah, I think I think we will get something in twenty twenty four for yeah, sure. You, you gotta imagine. Yeah. Yeah. The more times Jeff Molina remains suspended, it just Yeah, his whole career is just on hold. Yeah, your 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 perception becomes stronger and stronger with that. But uh, we do appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back in the new year. Hopefully everyone has a great New Year's Eve, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the MMA Report Podcast.